but before we even got that deal, we made probably like, uh, I, someone had told me this and it stuck with me all this time. They were like, look, you're going to look at a hundred properties. Like you're going to think about a hundred properties. You're going to make offers on 20 and you'll get one. Right. Yep. So just every no is one step closer to your yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, that's pretty much been my whole journey is like just thinking every no is one step closer to a yes. Right. And, um, that was kind of my first takeaway. My second takeaway was that uh, I didn't really care how much money the wholesaler made because the numbers worked for me when I ran them. Perfect. Like I, I had, by that point I'd already made like 15 offers on other houses. I had probably analyzed, you know, 50 deals before I even made offers. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And on today's show, I have a very special guest, Becca Shea. Becca is an experienced rehabber, fix and flipper, accountability coach. She does quite a few things. She, but she is a naval officer. She was a naval officer for four years, master mechanical engineer, energy efficient engineer for six years. She's a mother of mother of three daughters, which I'm sure they keep you very, very busy. Um, she left corporate America to rehab houses. So she took that jump, guys. She took that leap and left corporate America to do what she loved. Since then, she's rehabbed about 70 houses and wholesaled about 130 deals. Started uh, as a marketing consultant for other high-end level wholesalers in 2018 called Market Shark. And last year, took on a full-time position with uh, SeverFigureFlipping.com to head up their membership development. And I know with that, she does quite a bit for accountability. So we'll touch on that quite a bit today, guys. So we want to really hound on accountability. And she runs a small group of accountability sessions and help mentor them towards success. So guys, we have a very, very seasoned uh, investor here on the call today on the show. And Becca, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for talking to um, to the listeners of the We Love Equity show. So with that being said, I know I read your bio, but how did you get started? How did you finally decide, hey, I'm going to leave this corporate job and go and take a gamble on myself and do some fix and flipping. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because like one of my favorite quotes is the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? Absolutely. And um, I had been doing engineering for like seven years um, and I'm not, I am a risk taker, but I'm also kind of conservative. I think you can tell that from just the engineer you know, title. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on maternity leave with my third daughter and I had been traveling. I, t- I was just traveling so much, like 75% of my time. And I was like, I want to be closer to home. We've always talked about flipping a house. I love the idea of making something beautiful again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, that re- restoration, right? 
Um, so when I was on maternity leave, I, uh, I actually partnered up with someone to start because I was a little scared to take okay. the first step. So, <laughs> excuse me. So um, I went to a local RIA and I, I asked my neighbor if she would come with me. And she's like, sure. And we went to the RIA and I was like, we could do this. Like, this would be amazing. And, and so we went 50-50 on it. And together we worked to find our first deal. We found it. We rehabbed it. Uh, it went really well. And um, then we decided to go our, our own ways, but totally, you know, friends. Right. We were just kind of like, okay, now we know how to do it. Let's, let's yeah, go yeah. make it happen, right? So um, I always so, say my first So, so before yeah. going further, how did you find that first deal? How did you and your partner find that deal? Uh, we were looking everywhere. So we were, we kind of divided and conquered. I was putting in MLS offers and looking on Craigslist. She was looking on Craigslist. She was looking at like for sale by owners and she actually found it. It was a Craigslist. It was a wholesaler. Okay. I now know, I didn't know this at the time, what that meant, okay. but, um, uh, it was a wholesaler put it on Craigslist and I call it the cat pee hoarder house. It was mm-hmm. mm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I can still smell it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, she found it and she's like, come on, let's go see. It. I'm like, okay, I have my, my like six week old baby in a baby Bjorn on the front of me, like carrying her around. We go to this house and the, the guy's like, it's him and his family, like cleaning it out. They were, they were trashing out the place. Okay. And, um, they were like, you cannot bring that baby in here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least they was thinking about safety, right? <laughs> yeah. So we saw it and he basically, he had gotten it at a, um, I don't know if it was a tax sale or inherited property, but like he had tracked it all down, paid the back taxes on it, cleaned it out and then sold it to us. So I think he got the house for like 10 K. We paid him around 40 for it. Okay. Um, and then nice we deal. put, yeah. And then we put in like, uh, I wish I knew the numbers off the top of my head, but I'm going to say like, we were into it, I think for around 85, 90 at the end of the day. And we okay. sold it for one thirty. So okay. it was, um, you know, just a, little single family house and down in Florida and that the rest is history. I was like, Oh, well, I mean, there was some key things you said there. I mean, first of all, um, the wholesaler got it for 10, sold it for 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys didn't balk at him making 30 K on a deal because you guys saw, Hey, you know what? If we do this right, we can make a sizable chunk of money also. Yeah. So you guys jumped in, took the risk. Congratulations on your first one being a huge success. <laughs> right? So what did, what did you learn from that, from that first one? Um, you know, I, there were so many great lessons. The first one was, um, we, but before we even got that deal, we made probably like, uh, I, someone had told me this and it stuck with me all this time. They were like, look, you're going to look at a hundred properties. Like you're going to think about a hundred properties. You're going to make offers on 20 and you'll get one. Right. Yep. So just, every no is one step closer to your yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, that's pretty much been my whole journey is like just thinking every no is one step closer to a yes. Right. And, um, that was kind of my first takeaway. My second takeaway was that, uh, I didn't really care how much money the wholesaler made because the numbers worked for me when I ran them. Perfect. Like I, I had, by that point I'd already made like 15 offers on other houses. I had probably analyzed, you know, 50 deals before I even made offers. And so I was just in that process of like, here's the number I need. If it's the number I need, then that's, that's great. That'll work. Um, okay. So it's, yeah, I mean, the whole wholesaler rehabber dynamic is very interesting, right? Overall. 
So where did, where did you, where did you find the, yes, first of all, to answer your question, that dynamic is kind of, <laughs> I was on the phone today with, uh, we have a deal that we just pushed out and I had a, had a flipper give us a call on it. And he was like, well, I don't know. I could probably do this, probably do that. He was trying to fill us out and see kind of where we were at, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, at the end of the day, I think we're going to get the deal done. So with that being your first deal, where did you find uh, the construction crew? How did you learn what numbers to offer? Let's start with that. How did you yeah. learn the numbers? So that's, that's interesting too. Um, I don't remember if my, I found him or if my um, partner found him, but there was a GC that we basically found a GC and we said, we want to start rehabbing properties. We're going to do a, a lot of them. We don't know how to estimate construction. And so what we did was he came to the house, like maybe there were like 20 or 30 houses that I went to see. I didn't take him to every single one, but when okay. I was going to put an offer in on a house, I would have him come and meet me and walk through it and give us an idea on the numbers. Cause I, when I started, I had no idea. Okay. okay. <laughs> and so that, that house in particular, um, I know that we, we netted 38,000 at the end of the day. So I want to say like the rehab, if I bought it at 40 and we were into it at 85 with holding costs, the, the rehab must've been somewhere around 40 K. Right. Okay. Yep. And he told me that like he came in and he said, all right, you need a new roof. We're going to need to do this. We converted or, um, we added, uh, actually there was a bathroom in the garage, you know, those old houses where like, okay, yeah. bathroom in the garage. So we, we kind of turned it and made it accessible from the house. So like he, he walked us through all that stuff and that was how I, I just trusted him because I didn't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And that's why I tell people, sometimes you just got to take that leap and say, Hey, you know what? I don't have all the, the answers. Yeah. Let me find somebody that, that have some answers and let's work together on it. So a, a key thing that you said was that you found a GC. You didn't take them to all of the houses. You just took them to the ones that you wanted to put offers yeah. on. And I tell people to do the same thing. You know, you don't want to get a contractor and have them running all over the city with you and you never really pull the trigger on anything because then they'll say, okay, I'm wasting my time here. And they may try and make that time up on a rehab once you do pull the trigger. So that was very, very smart what you did, Becca. And what was interesting is we went into it thinking this would be a long-term partnership. I think they worked with us on maybe three, on like three rehabs. And then he decided, you know, that it was more lucrative to go do uh, more retail stuff. Um, okay. And again, it was an amicable parting, but it, looking back now, that was six years ago. It's, I didn't end up working with him forever, but I went into it thinking there was the opportunity for this, yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of that sale, right? Like what's in it for him? Well, right. work is in it for him, you know? Exactly. And I love how you come off. You have a positive mindset. You always you're, you seem to be an optimist. You're like, okay, well, I'm not going to look at the negative. I'm going to look at what, what we can gain from this and what mm -hmm. this partnership, you know, can, can gain from this. So you got this deal, you and your partner closed it. Kind of tell me the emotions at the closing table. What were you going through once you got it, oh, once man. you got it done? <laughs> I think it was just disbelief. And excitement, right? But like more disbelief. Like, what did we do? They say this every time you, it's that buyer's remorse, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you get yourself all psyched up and you do it. And then with the closing table, we're like, can we really do this? And my mode to life is like, I learn as much as I need to to make the, the decision. But then once the decision's been made, it's like, I did the best I could with the information I had at the time. Yep. And as long as I can look back and say that, 
I don't, I don't second guess, you know, oh, I should have done, I could have done. I do look back and say, man, this was the lesson learned next time. Mm-hmm. But I like to just be able to say, I, the, I did the best I could with the information I had at the time. And yep. give yourself some grace, right? Yeah, and that's all you can do. And I mean, hey, you netted $38,000 on the back end. So. That's probably the, maybe the best rehab <laughs> I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and everybody, everybody look at these, you know, HGTV shows and they're like, wow, they made $100,000. They made $70,000 and everything like that. Not all flips go that way. <laughs> you we know? talk net here, right? Like- right, right, right. Not gross. You know, <laughs> we're talking net. So you got that deal done. Mm-hmm. Um, what was next? After that, I did. Um, so I was living in Florida at the time. I live in Pennsylvania now. But mm-hmm. um it went well and I, I loved it. So I did three, three rehabs that first year within the first 12 months. And then um, some of them were like condos, uh, which I learned, you know, really pay attention to the HOA fees because yep. they can eat up your profits really quick. Um, and then, but, but they can also be really fast. Like we did a two bedroom, one bath condo. Another it was probably the second or third deal I did. And we were in and out in like two weeks. I mean, oh, wow, it was just good. really fast. And then we sold it really fast. And so that was awesome just because I didn't have any exterior maintenance. I didn't have any roofs to deal with. I didn't have any mm-hmm. HVAC systems. It was all cosmetic. So right. that's nice, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah, you, say, system, you do, you just have to watch, uh, you know, what the HOA allow and don't allow and everything like that. Um, as far as, okay, getting started, I know you, you quit your job. How are you getting, where, where was the funding and the financing coming from? Oh, that's a good question. So what I did was I had saved up some money. I had, I think, uh, $60,000 that I had saved at that point. Okay. And my partner had 60000 So she brought her money to the table. We formed an LLC. We were 50-50 partners in it. Um, with a clause that we would go to mediation if we didn't agree. By the way, okay. people, if you're going to partner always write your agreement for the worst case scenario. Um, good tip. You know. Good and, tip. Yeah. And hope that you never need it. I've never needed it, but it's good to think through what's going to happen if this goes to crap. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Because some people, they're just excited, you know, Hey, I got a partner. Somebody's bringing money to the table. Let's get this done. You know, but you always have to think of the worst case scenario. You have to plan for it, you know, um, but not hold that, you know, as something internal, always looking, looking for the negative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can just talk through it once, write it down, and then you don't have to think about it again. But um, after I finished that deal, so I had 60 grand and then I, we netted 38. So we split it 50, 50. Mm -hmm. So then I had like $80,000 to work with. And I knew that the purchase plus rehab for most of the houses in my area was going to be probably around a hundred to 120. Okay. So I knew I needed to raise another, I wanted to raise another $60,000. Gotcha. So after I had one under my belt, I sent a letter with kind of before and after pictures to like friends and family. And I said, here's what I just did. I want to do more. Uh, I'm looking to, for, for lenders to join me on this path. What I'm willing to do is I, I want to raise $60,000, um, minimum of $10,000, the first three people to say, All right, I'll give you 12% interest. Okay. And I said, the first three people to say, yes, I'll give you 13%. Right. So a little wow. bit of okay. urgency. Yeah. Urgency. Um, so I, I did, I raised $60,000 and it was on a 12 month unsecured note. Um, okay. 
And, uh, you know, that's in itself a whole other conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, and, and, and I want to touch on that road, but I don't want to go too far down that path. So when you raised that money, it was to family and friends. So one mm -hmm. of the key things that you did, and I, and I find this to be true is, you know, you have to market yourself and let people know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Once you let people know what you're doing, then other people, although they may be a little skeptical at first, but once they continuously seeing, okay, she's doing this or he's doing this, how can I be a part of it? Because, every, I mean, the majority of the people don't want to go to a nine to five. Let's just be honest, people. People really don't want to go to work, you know, so they're looking for other alternatives to make money. And when they see you living your best life, you know, you walked off your corporate job because I know quite a few family members and friends is like, what is Becca oh, yeah. doing? Is she crazy? She has three kids, you know, so on and so forth. But now they see in the, the success and they're like, oh, wow, let's get on board with that. So that's, I mean, that's, that's an amazing story, Becca. That's yeah. truly out outstanding. And, and a lot of people do, you know, like, you probably know this, but for your listeners, people don't, they're not lending money necessarily to rehabbing the house. They're lending money to you. They trust, they know, like, and trust you and they believe in you. So as long, as long as you've given them reason to know, like, and trust you. Exactly. Not, <laughs> exactly. Some people may not get money from people. Yeah. And, and, and then even on the other side, some people you don't want to borrow money from, you know, you don't want to be an investor with because, you know that they may be the type of person, okay, what are you doing now? What's yeah. next? You know, where are we going? You know, and, and sometimes you, you want to have a little distance when you're doing your work. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And that was it too. Like, I mean, I was very much like, you are a passive investor. Um, you will get, you know, this is my show. Right. Uh, not too many cooks in the kitchen. And I think that was a, you know, looking back, it wasn't like premeditated, but I think that was a great way to do it, to, to pair up with somebody else who had a similar dream to like, you know, get our feet under us. Mm -hmm. And then we could, once we had a success, you know, under our belts, then we could build off of that. Absolutely. So you got to start with that partnership. You know, some people want to try and do it all on their, on their own saying, okay, well, why split 50, 50, I can have a whole pie. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't have a partner, sometimes you would get zero of that whole pie versus getting 50%, right. you know? So, okay. Yeah. So kind of, kind of moving on, you, you did the condo, you did the, uh, fixing. Yeah, I did three. So we did three deals the first year and then I did six deals the next year. And then the, the following year after that, I was ready to, um, my husband left his corporate job to go to a startup, um, with a good friend of ours. And I said, you know what? this point I was averaging around $20,000 net on a, each flip. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I can support our family if I just, if I do, um, you know, a few more. And I set a goal to do 12 deals the next year. And somewhere around month four, I realized I was spending all my time looking for deals and not managing my contractors, which is mm -hmm. like when you can get into trouble as a yeah. rehab, don't pay close yeah. enough attention. And I um, had joined this mastermind, seven figure flipping, and it was a lot of wholesalers, which I didn't realize it at the time. Like we're 50-50 okay. split now, rehabbers and wholesalers, but at the time uh -huh. I was just starting, I was like, yeah, seven figure flipping, like that flipping means rehabbing, Rehab, right? right. <laughs> I'm going to sit in a room with all these rehabbers. And 
you know, what happened was like 80% were wholesalers. And I was like, wait a minute, this is how this wholesaling machine works. Okay. I think I can do that. So I, I, I spooled up a very small marketing machine with the intent to just feed my rehabbing. Business. Yeah, yeah. If I could get two contracts or three contracts a month, keep one for myself, give one to somebody, you know, sell one to somebody else. We're great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as these things go, I did a couple of them and I got success and I was like, let's do more. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Success. I mean, success can be a habit. You know, you, you, you had that success and it's like, Oh wow. Is this easy? I don't have to supervise a contractor. I don't have to do X, Y, and Z raise money. Oh, let's do this. Yeah. And, and I always think back, like if I, had known where this journey was going to take me. I mean, the past six years have been insane. I never could have thought when I started it that I would end up where I am now, which is, is not the typical path. I actually found after doing wholesaling, like trying to scale a wholesaling machine, um, number one, I started spreading my focus way too thin, like trying okay. to run a bunch of rehabs and a wholesaling team. And I have some rentals. Like uh, I just. It's too much. It, it was too yeah. much. And sometimes I think that you have to hit your limits to know where your limits are. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Um, and so kind of last year was really pivotal for me in that um, I, I just took a, a hard look. I st stepped back and say like, what do I want to do? I've been doing this for, for five years. Mm -hmm. Where, where actually is my like superpower? What am I really good at? Um, and what I found is that even though I didn't love the sales piece of wholesaling, which Wholesaling, to me, I see wholesaling as a marketing and sales company. Yep. And I see rehabbing as a construction company. So my first piece of advice to your listeners is to really think about that. Do I want to run a marketing and sales company or do I, or do I feel more comfortable in the project management construction world? Yep. That, that's probably very, very yeah. key what you just said there. Um, and not to cut you off, Becca, but I was oh, just it. talking to someone about this, you know, and that's very key what you said, because wholesaling is marketing and sales. You're spending marketing dollars and you're talking to sellers, you're trying to get the sale, trying to get the sale. And then on the back end, now you're trying to sell it, you know, to the yeah. investor. So it's a lot of work in there, you know, and then on the flipping side, it's, it's project management. That's exactly mm -hmm. what you're doing. So you have to pick your poison, you know, and some, some wholesalers, that's the natural progression. Okay. I'll start with wholesaling and then go into fix and flipping and then go into passive income and then go into multifamily, things like that. But you have to know what your superpower is. And, and I, this is where you took that hard step and evaluated what you were doing. Yeah. And, and sometimes you don't know what your superpower is going into it. But I can now tell you after talking to like so many investors, I can usually tell within like 30 minutes of talking to them where they gravitate towards. Like if you're a salesperson and you love sales and that like thrill of the hunt and you know, the deal, the art of the deal, like yep. wholesaling is probably a great avenue from you for you. If you really like applying your brain to logistics and project management and, and doing, making something beautiful that most people can't even handle that level of, you know, project mm -hmm. management man, go do that. Do that thing really well. Yep. Yep. But what happens, and this is the quandary that I was in. I love the art of the deal. I love talking to sellers because even, 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 even though I have a team, I find myself like, 
I just want to talk to somebody. I want to talk to, you know, I want to talk to these sellers and see if I still got it. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you know, I still want to challenge myself and see if I still got it. You know, I guess that's so I can stick my chest out to the acquisitions team and say, see, I still got it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you have those people that, that love the art of the deal, but they, they have that project management capability also. Yeah. And that's kind of, kind of where I am and those dynamics and it's, and it's knowing how to separate and say, okay, I have an acquisitions team, let them do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a contracting team, let them do that. But then I find myself in the middle, like, okay, well then what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? well, and then, then you have to develop a whole new skill set of leadership. Yep. Yep. Like normally we start this business, we're a solo entrepreneur, we're doing everything. We love it. We're wearing all the hats. And then as you grow your business, you're like, I don't get to, I don't get to paint things and I don't get to go meet with sellers. And like, now I have to become a leader of people. And for some people, I've actually seen them get to that point where they're leading people and they realize that's not what they wanted. Yep. And they'll, they'll go scale back again, yep. hitting your limits to know where your limits are. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect there. So what about your team kind of, Cause I know you've been doing a whole lot. What kind of, what kind of team formulation you have? So, so the path that I went down was when I started wholesaling and I told you, we talk a little bit about marketing. So yep. the first thing that I did um, was I sent out direct mail and I put out bandit signs. Um, I live just to, I think this is important to know is that I live now in Pennsylvania, kind of between Lancaster, which is super rural and Philadelphia, which is urban. Right. So I live in this kind of middle zone, but more towards the rural side of things. Um, mm-hmm. So I did direct mail and, um, and bandit signs. And they actually worked pretty well. Bandit signs worked really well. Um, okay. And I've come to, to realize after, you know, talking and working with other investors that um, bandit signs tend to pull better in more rural areas. Because they have that feel like where I live, people don't like outsiders. Right, right. It's not a transient place. People live here for 30 or 40 years. Their kids probably live up the street. Like they don't like outsiders. Mm -hmm. Whereas in cities, it's more transient. um, And and people like I've noticed that cold calling, texting, like it was kind of less personal, but more like get, get the deal done. Just like let's move faster. Those types of marketing tend to work better there. Um, so for me, direct mail and bandit signs, they worked well to begin with. That's and, interesting. Um, I never looked at that dynamic about, about the um, rural aspect with bandit signs. I mean, that's, that's guys, if you're in the suburbs, if you're in a semi-rural area, you may want to, not may, but you want to listen to Becca. I mean, it's tried <laughs> and true. You want to listen to Becca as, you know, doing some bandit signs in those areas. Because like you said, that dynamic of the rural areas, because I grew up, you know, in a somewhat rural area. And you know, it's like, who is this person? We don't know him, you know, we want to wait and kind of see, like you said, that whole outsider syndrome. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's good. That's, that's If you get a piece of mail, it's like, well, anybody could have sent this to you. But if you see a sign at the end of your street, and especially if it's a back road, yep. and you see a sign, you think, well, man, they had to go put that sign out there. They must be somewhere near. Yeah, they know the area. So they know they're from here. So, okay. All right, so you're doing the banded signs and the direct mail. Kind of what's going on with this marketing? How are you doing? So we started that, and then we tried, like, pay-per-click. Uh, pay-per-click worked well for a while for us. We hired a third-party company to do it, 
and then it stopped working. Um, okay. And then and then our direct mail kind of went through a phase where it, it stopped working. Like when we first started, we were doing the, the handwritten like doodle postcards. I've tried bandit sign looking postcards, like just sell us your house, okay. you know, uh -huh. pink things. Um, I've done the really professional branded postcards. Um, and the thing that I know about marketing is that it's a living animal. So what works today yep. may not work six months from now. And, and if it stops working six months from now, six months after that, it might work again. It might work again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you find works for you? Uh, right now we're doing direct mail. Although everybody is saying direct mail is dead, direct mail is dead. I mean, we're still, like I said, I got a contract on one yesterday, got two contracts we're about to sign uh, this weekend. Direct mail is still working, but in other areas, you know, people are saying, hey, stick to the cold calling, direct mail is dead. You know, but everything cycles. You know, mm -hmm. like you said, it's marketing is a living, breathing animal. And I know I went through a period where direct mail wasn't working. Yeah, you know, right? so. Um, and now we're looking at doing more of the text messaging. That way we're not just a one trick pony. We have multiple, you know, lines out there in the water, but yeah, I mean, direct mail is, is working for us. We use a, we don't use postcards. We use a full color mm -hmm. letter, professional standard letter. And we have like a little testimonial at the bottom of yeah. some of the people that we helped and it's, it's pulling pretty good. Yeah, and, and I think if you can do that, especially if you can tie in that no like, and trust factor, we do the same thing. We have a testimonial from a seller. We say, like, we have five-star reviews on Facebook, on Google. Like, go check mm -hmm. us out, read the reviews. Um, I think that you automatically kind of set the bar higher. I'm a yep. vet, so, I, you know, I, I was in the Navy, so my, my letters say, you know, veteran-owned veteran, business. Yep, yep that's good. <laughs> whatever yep. piece, whatever angle. You got to position yourself, yeah. Because I know I had a seller, and this is kind of off topic, but I had a seller um, ask me, he was like, hey, I got, you know, I got you. Well, he asked my acquisitions manager, we got your letter, you know, who are you? How do we know that you're credible? So we started doing these credibility packets, you know, and emailing oh, them out to great people. idea. And we have like a testimonial video where I'm at the, the closing table with a seller and I send that to them. And they're like, after that, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm, it really wasn't him. It was his wife. <laughs> and she was like, okay, we, um, we feel comfortable with you and we're going to get the deal done. So those credibility. I love, the, I love the video testimonial thing right there. I hope your listeners took note of that. That's genius. Like saying, Hey, go to this link and check yep. this out. A good idea. I, a yep. good friend of mine, actually, she, she does all like Facebook, um, and, uh, online marketing. She doesn't do any, uh, anything that's not online, mm -hmm. but what she does is when they set an appointment, she, she has like an introduction video that says, Hey, I'm for her, whatever acquisitions rep goes out. Uh -huh. Hey, you know, I'm Stephanie, I'm coming out to your house. I'll be out there tomorrow. Here's here's what's going to happen. We'll take a quick look around. I'll answer any questions you have. I'll give you an offer. You can take it or not. No big deal. Like puts okay. them at ease right away. That's good because we, we do that over the phone when we're talking to them, but I still like that video concept because it's still good content for other people as well. So, excellent. Yeah. See, I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I, um, I started growing my business and uh, scaling the, the wholesale and scaling the rehabbing. And I, I, I mean, the rehabbing actually got to a good, really good point with it, but I, 
like you, there's, there's effort you have to put into scaling both. Right. Yep. And so I kind of, at the beginning of last year was like, which one am I going to focus on construction or, or marketing and sales? And I was like, ah, I think I'm going to step away from the construction side um, and do the marketing and sales side. And it's kind of like, you know, sometimes when you start to give off a signal, you don't even know you've given off. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Uh, as I started having this conversation and, and realizing, man, I'm really good at marketing. I'm really struggling with hiring and, and managing sales reps. And it sounds like you have acquisitions reps. So, yep. you know, that challenge. And I just kept like, I just could not unlock that piece of the puzzle, but my marketing was like super dialed super, in. Okay. So then a couple of my, my friends who are investors, who are salespeople, who are great at sales, terrible at tracking their marketing and, uh-huh. and numbers basically came to me and said, you're really good at this can I pay you to do it for me? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> and so that's kind of how I started doing marketing consulting. And I started this company market shark. Um, I know these are people who are spending like 15, 20 K a month in marketing. Mm-hmm. So dialing that in can yield massive results for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, then through that conversation came the, well, what do you really want to do? Like, do you really want to keep running a wholesaling company? Or do you just want to focus on the marketing side? And so then, you know, last year was a whole journey. But what uh-huh. ended up happening is um, I, I almost partnered up with someone else to start a like full service marketing company okay. and just handle all this stuff. And then uh, my good friend ended up taking over the seven figure flipping mastermind. And he basically said like, hey, if you're on the market, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're considering like doing something else, I have your dream job for you. Uh, And that was like, like I say, sometimes when you start this journey, you know, this journey of a thousand miles, you take that first step. You don't know where it's going to lead you. But I I couldn't be here doing what I consider my dream job at this moment. If I hadn't taken that first step, step. make those offers, find a GC, run that rehab, even if sometimes, even if you don't even make money or make a lot of money, the, the education you get from it, you take mm-hmm. that education, you build on it. You, you, then you get one step closer to your dream job, right? Yep. Yep. So, so with the whole marketing, uh, what do you find? What do you see as for the listeners? So they know, and I know every mm-hmm. market is different. Like I talked yeah. about, you know, direct mail is working for me. Um, I live in Phoenix, but the direct mail is working virtually in Chicago. It's not working here in Phoenix. We have to mm-hmm. do something different. So what do you see, you know, if I was one of your clients? Oh, good. Let I'm, this trying, my yeah, I'm trying to see how I can phrase this. If yeah. I was one of your clients in an urban market, um, mm-hmm. what would be the strategy that you would recommend for someone just getting started? Let's just say I have, $2,000 to get started. Okay. So I, first off, you're going to trade time or money, right? You, yep. you got to pick one. So a couple, like the, the biggest direct or the biggest marketing channels that we see are direct mail, um, pay-per-click people who do SEO, who, you know, have built up their website mm-hmm. for a long time, Facebook ads, um, bandit signs, referrals. Like I, yep. I see referrals as a whole marketing channel in and of itself. Yeah. Um, what am I missing? I think that that's a pretty good and driving for dollars. Driving for dollars another good yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And, and then like MLS offers. So what will, 
there's a couple big things that I start any conversation with and um, I'll just kind of set the, the parameters here. What I'm seeing across, across the nation is that people are generally spending around $3,000 to $5,000 to get a contract. Like that's the mid range. Mm -hmm. In some super rural markets, you can get it for maybe a thousand to 1500 bucks, but your opportunity to scale is kind of capped because right. you're usually the only player in that mm -hmm. area. Area. Um, and then in some of the hyper competitive markets like, you know, Houston, Dallas, Denver, maybe even Phoenix, Phoenix there's some yes. people spending up to like seven or $8,000 a contract. Yep. Yep. San Diego. Right. Mm -hmm. So your assignment fees have to be, uh, in line with that, right? If you're spending $1,500 to get a contract, what, what we want to see is that for every dollar you spend on marketing, you're making $3. So if you spend $1,000 to get a contract and you make a $3,000 assignment fee, that's not unreasonable. But if you're spending $5,000 to get a contract, you should be making around $15,000 on your assignment fees. Gotcha. And the reason that I say that is because what I've come to learn now after looking through lots of people's data is that if your ROI is less than three to one, you are probably losing money if you're running a scaled wholesaling machine mm -hmm. because your expenses and overhead, usually your marketing's about a third, your expenses and overhead people, you know, phone answering systems, whatever yep. is another like 40%, you know, maybe mm -hmm. 50%. Most, most wholesalers that I know operating at scale are netting 10 to 30% of the, of okay. that's their margin. Yep. So like if you're a wholesaler and I'm a rehabber, I said this at our, uh, at our seven figure flipping, uh, we just, we just did a cruise. It was awesome. But the one night yeah. I went, I went into the rehabber's room and I said, listen, I've got a secret for you guys. You make $10,000 net on a flip and you think, dang it. I just did so poorly. The yeah. wholesaler I bought this from made $10,000. No, you made $10,000 net. That wholesaler kept a thousand, maybe 2,500 yeah. bucks. Yeah. You, You've, you've made four times more money than they did. It's just that when you talk, you both say, ah, oh, it was $10,000, but they're two different numbers. Two, two different numbers, right. There's two different parameters and dynamics behind it. So for those who have no money, um, yeah. driving for dollars, driving banded for signs, um, MLS call, calling MLS offers. So uh, somebody said something really interesting. There's a guy in our group he did 80 rehabs last year in San Diego and he didn't spend any money on marketing. Uh, and he's wow. starting to market now because he wants to do more, but, but we were asking him like, how'd you do that? And he said, um, I, I network with, with realtors and wholesalers. I stay mm -hmm. top of mind all the time. Like they're, they're who I market to air quotes market. Right. To. <laughs> <laughs> but what he did was he built up his cash position so that when he comes in, if he offers a hundred thousand dollars on a house, he can say, I'm going to give you $100,000. I'm going to put $10,000 earnest money down. There's no contingencies and I'm going to close in two weeks. So yep. if you're a real estate agent and you have somebody else who comes in and offers $120,000, but they're only going to put $1,000 earnest money. They want to do inspections. They want to close in a month. You're going yeah. to take that $100,000 offer. Yep. Quickly, quickly. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's guaranteed. And, yep. and, and I run into quite a few buyers like that, especially here in Phoenix, you know, I mean, right now it's like no contingencies, $10,000 earnest money, you know, everything like that versus, like I said, the market in the Midwest, we can be a little slower because it's like yeah. nobody's really, yeah, there's players that's doing it, but 
there's no sense of urgency. And for those guys, for you guys that are out there just getting started, you got to listen. You got to do some bandit signs, driving for dollars. You got to trade since you don't have the money. You got to use your time wisely to make sure you try and find these deals. And, and now would be an awesome opportunity to talk about consistency and accountability. Yep, yep. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about that? Yes, because that was um, before, I'm going to preface that, but before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll bring Becca back and we're going to talk about accountability and consistency as some of the key things in order to be successful, you know, as a real estate investor. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers. With 100% coverage across the U.S., PropString provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love Okay, guys, welcome back. And we do have um, Becca Shea, and she is a fix and flipper, wholesaler, marketing expert, and she's an all-around professional investor. So we're going to talk about consistency and accountability and persistence when being a real estate investor, because that's what you need in order to get started. So Becca, I'm going to yield to you. You're the accountability expert. So let's kind of dig in. What are some of the things that we need to be accountable for when getting started as a real estate investor? I mean, the, the biggest takeaway for me, the thing that I see that separates the successful people from the not successful people is, is uh, resilience and consistency. Like you're going to get punched in the face, right, Marcus? I'm sure you, yep. <laughs> you got punched in the face a couple of times on this journey. Yeah. The, the only thing that, that will separate you from the person who quits is being able to get back up and do it again and do it again. And a lot of people get into this and they think, oh, I want to do marketing. Uh, so they send out letters and they think, oh, that didn't work. But if yep. you dig into the science behind sales and marketing, it's six no's to get a yes. So you got you, people have to see you six or seven mm -hmm. times before they want to you know, dig in and, and start to get to know who you are, right? So I read this book called The 12-Week Year, um, maybe three years ago. And I actually read it because one of the podcasts that I listened to, Brian Buffini, he, he had the author on it. And I was like, well, if, you know, like in the podcast world, know, like, and trust. I love this guy. Yep. He was recommending this book. Must be good. I read the book and it changed the trajectory of my life. It basically said, stop looking at your life in a year time. Like don't say this year, I'm gonna flip 12 houses because what happens is you, you start, you don't really start getting, feeling the pressure of that goal until six or nine months down the road. Yep. So, so just break it down into 12 weeks and, and live your life that way. What are you gonna accomplish in the next 12 weeks? Because that's kind of the outer edges of what the human brain can focus on this whole, you know, and this isn't a new concept, 12 weeks, 90 days, quarters, rocks, yep, OKRs. Yep. 
you know, there's so Same many, thing. yeah, it's just that the human brain defaults to this kind of 90 day. That's, that's the most I can focus. And so I read this book and it's like, listen, set a goal and then set the consistent actions to get there. So one of the things that I did was raising money. One of the first things I did, I said, I want to raise $500,000 unsecured to scale my business. And, um, I said, how, how would I possibly do that? Especially in 12 weeks. Like how am I mm -hmm. going to do that? And I, read a book called getting the money by Susan Laster Lyons. And it basically just talks about having conversations, tell people what you do, tell them what's in it for them and, and magic will happen. So I, I applied this to the 12 week year concept of, all right, well, if every week, if I called two people that I know and I said, Hey, I, I'm, I've set this goal to raise this money. Um, who do you know that might be interested? I mean, there's a, a little bit of sales yeah. behind it too. Who do you know that I should talk to? And then I call, and then if I commit to calling every single person they connect me to, that's maybe like four to six conversations a week. And if I just have four to six conversations every single week, I'll get the money. Yeah. And I did. And so like, that was it. So my 12 week year goal was raise this money. And my actions were call two people, call, call hundred percent of the people they referred me to, and then send thank you notes to everyone I talked to. That was it. I did those three things every week week after week for 12 weeks. And, you know, and then I had the follow-up conversations. Right. Yeah, yeah, I have some money. I'd be interested. What does that look like? But, but those three actions were the genesis of meeting my goal. And that's what the 12 week year is about. It's about consistent implementation of actions. And this whole idea that, that discipline equals freedom. Like if you can be disciplined in your actions, then you can achieve your freedom. Yep. But a lot of us aren't willing to be disciplined. Very key. And that's one of the things I was, it's funny because I was having this conversation with my wife too about discipline. I was like, you know, everything revolves around this one key concept and that's just being disciplined. If you say, okay, this is what I want to do at the end of the year, what discipline steps and measures are you taking towards getting there? That's right? the only thing. That's all it is. It's, it's one concept, you know, but people don't want to be disciplined. I want to lose weight. Okay. What does it take? I need to yeah. be disciplined not to eat sugar, you know, not to yeah. eat fatty foods, not to eat late at night. You know, hey, I want to be, I want to come off my job. Okay, well, what does that look like? What do you want to do? Why do you want to come off the job? How long do you want to take, you know, before you reach that goal? And then what are the steps that you have to be disciplined about in order to reach? Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that comes with, you know, being accountable and being persistent. Like you said, I've been punched in the face a lot of times. I'll give you a one quick example. This was like the second deal that I was doing. And I had somebody that I was working with. They basically had the money. He was an experienced wholesaler and flipper. And I was putting MLS offers out there for him. And we found one. This was, it was a nice house, you know, on a, on a lake and everything like that. And um, we had to put $5,000 down. Now, granted, this is my second deal. House is like $600,000. And um, we missed the deadline on the inspection period. So I lost this guy $5,000. And this is like my second deal. And I'm like, okay, he's never going to want to work with me again. You know, I, I just blew it. You know, all of these negative thoughts started, started going through my mind. And then I said, you know what? I'm not going to give up. Yes, I got punched in the face. So I had to, you know, contact him and say, okay, look, what do we need to do to rectify this? And we 
came up with a plan, came up with a strategy, and I was able to do it. What did I have to do? I had to get out there and hunt for more deals and make him more money. And that's, that's exactly what I did. But from there, it taught me to be consistent, taught me to be persistent. It taught me how to hustle because now I had, it, had a goal. I don't want to start out my real estate investing career losing people money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I have to turn this thing around. And um, like you said, have I been punched in the face? Absolutely. You know, so you, knew, you knew in order to get back on the horse, you had to make more offers, right? Yep. You didn't let that punch in the, because you had committed to the action. So the 12 week here, the whole, the, the key to it, the, the specialness is that you find two or three or four other people and you agree to be part of a weekly accountability meeting, maybe 15, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. and you check in and you say, uh, hey, Marcus, uh, I had to call two people. I had to call 100% of their follow-ups. I had to write the thank you cards. I did all that stuff. I was 100% on my actions last week. That's it. And Perfect. you're not holding me accountable. You're not calling me every day saying like, Becca, did you call those people? Did you write those thank you cards? No, I'm holding myself accountable, but you're cheerleading me on once a yep. week. Yep. And that's, that's big. Yeah. And so uh, that's, I just reached out to some other investors I knew. And I said, does anybody want to do this with me? We all have goals. So like using driving for dollars for an example, um, an investor I know, he did the, the small group accountability session with us last time. And it was like, it works like clockwork. He didn't want to do his actions. He had to add like so many people, so many houses to his list every week. That was his goal. Like add 50 houses to my driving for dollars list each week and then send mail to them right mm -hmm. but because he had that accountability meeting he's like i would my my accountability meetings were sunday evening he's like i would spend like three or four after hours sunday afternoon leading up to that meeting driving for dollars to because sure i didn't want to show numbers. up and say yep. i didn't do it and i mean he ended up getting three contracts in that 12 week period because he Sweet. consistently implemented the actions he knew he needed to implement he didn't make excuses he did what he needed to do. Yep. That's the magic. So guys, you hear from Becca here is she just gave you a proven plan, you know, in order to become successful, in order to get into the game or in order to remain in the game, you know, find two or three people. You can find them on bigger pockets. You can find them in Facebook your groups, your local meetup. Yep. Your local meetup and just be accountability partners and say, this is what I want to do. And you will hold yourself accountable because you don't want to come back to that group and say, I didn't do it. You know, no one wants to be the loser, you know, so you definitely have to, yeah, uh, yeah. have to work <laughs> <Okay>. at it, <laughs> you know, cause that's, I hold myself accountable and I, I, I set high standards for myself, but everybody has those lazy days, those cheat days. And if you don't have someone to look at and say, okay, well, I know if I show up on Sunday, Tim is going to say, you know, yep. did you do this? And you say, no, they're not going to accept excuses. And then, and then they say, well, do you really want to be in this game or not? Yep. Yep. Right? There it is. Your That's actions it. dictate your results. So if you don't make this a priority, then obviously you don't really want it. Becky, you, you, you're dead on the head. So tell me, um, introduce us to the seven figure flipping. So seven figure flipping is a mastermind of investors and there's two different programs. One is like just getting started, like never done a deal, kind of it's, it's eight deals or less. Um, okay. and the, and that is kind of, it almost runs like a class. So it opens in October and it runs for a year. So you start with a group of investors and you go through that whole first year together. And then 
The higher level group is called altitude. Uh, and that's for people doing like eight deals or more, $250,000 a year, like really looking to, to grow and scale their business and, and put systems in place. Hiring is a big topic in that one. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it costs you $25,000 to be a part of it. So it's okay. not like it, there is a commitment to right, it. Right, right. And, and what happens is once you spend that money, you're like, I am going to get my money. Yeah, you're going to work. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, we've made it almost to the point where it's like, it's more expensive for you not to be in the group because of the discounts. Like, like I went, I've gone back every year. I was a member for three years before I came aboard the team. And every year I could point to where I gained my money. The first year it was a negotiated discount on direct mail. Like, you know, save me 10 cents. And I was sending out 15,000 pieces right. of mail, you know, <laughs> like, right, right. It saved me like $22,000 that year. And then the second year I was just happened to be sitting in a meeting. This is where the magic happens. You're mm -hmm. sitting next to somebody who's, who's operating at a high level. And he said, do you know that uh, I got my title company to pay for half of my marketing expense every month? I was like, what? I was like, what did yeah. that, how much? He's like, yeah, they pay five grand a month towards my marketing bill. And I was like, how did that work? What, what did right. you say to them? <laughs> uh, what paperwork did you put in place? And like, so I mean that right there yielded me. I went back and I talked to my title company and they were like, yeah, you've proven yourself to be a, a valuable partner to us. We'd love to do some marketing with you. I mean, I think that made me like $60,000. <laughs> Damn, there it is. <laughs> Some random conversation yep. at a dinner table. So there it is. That, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. The idea is like when you get around, you know, if you're the average of the five people you're, you surround yourself with, then get around five pretty awesome people. Yep, yep. So like you um, said, it's proximity. Yeah, yeah. And these, and these people will help you. They, the other thing is when you get punched in the face, it's nice to have somebody to call and be like, oh man, my fifth acquisitions rep just quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I poured into them for five weeks. <laughs> oh, I'm so crushed. Um, but you know, as I was thinking, as we we're talking about accountability groups, one of the things we do is we have a meeting, we put together these small group accountability sessions, then we kick it off and we come back together and talk about how we did. I put together these workbooks, like driving for dollars specifically, that I'd be happy to share with your audience. Like we could do okay. a, a link. Um, yep, yep, I'll absolutely. just do it like sevenfigureflipping.com forward slash. Uh, we love that. Driving, driving for dollars. Yep. I'll give it okay. to you to put in the show notes. But it basically walks you through that. Like a couple of your listeners get together, email Marcus and be like, let's do this. Let's hold each other accountable to making it happen. Yeah. And it's, and that's, and that's, uh, something that's that's easy to do you know mm -hmm. it don't cost any money the only thing it costs is effort and and it weed out like you say a weed out the serious people from the fake people you know because yeah. you have quite a few people yeah i want to be you know this massive real estate investor this i want to flip 60 houses in a you know in a year but you're not doing anything or not putting any effort towards doing that, you know? And I even yeah. tell people that haven't done a deal, what are you doing, you know, each month that's going to drive you closer to getting that first deal? You know, right. how many meetups are you going to? How many investors are you, you know, how many other wholesalers, experienced wholesalers in your, in your area are you calling, talking to you? How many, you know, times are you driving for dollars? You know, so, if you commit, I mean, everyone can talk the talk, but the question is, can you walk the walk? Like if you committed to going to two meetups a month, I'm telling you by the seventh or eighth time you're sitting in that room and you haven't done any deals, you're going to start 
like they'll just pull you along with them. Mm-hmm. If you put yourself in that space and you're really committed to doing it, just just be there with the people and they'll yep. pull you up. They want to. Yeah. Rising tide lift all ships. So yeah. you know, if you're around people that's talking real estate and 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 if you have your own positive affirmations, because that's one of the things that I do, you know, I say, hey, I'm a multi-million dollar real estate investor every morning. You know, am I there yet? No. But I know that I'm doing that and I'm surrounding myself around those people that are there and they're giving me, like you said, they're giving me insight on, okay, well, you need to probably need to try this just in general conversation. You know, like you said, with the person that uh, spoke to you about the marketing. Yeah. Like, That's what? a lot of money, you know, <laughs> okay. I, I told people, I said, you know, you need to contact your title company because they have a marketing department. You need leads you know, why go and spend money on leads, contact your title company, you know, go down there and say, Hey, you know, if this is what I'm doing, I'm looking to get started. I need some leads, you know. And, and by the way, your title company also knows who all the buyers are. Yep. You say, what investors do you know that are constantly buying properties? I need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we'll do all our deals with you. Yep. That's whenever, whenever we're going into a new market, that's one of the first things we do. We talk to our title company and say, I need a list of all of the serious buyers. I need a list of all of the cash transactions that happened in the last year Mm -hmm. that have been multiple transactions. So not the mom and pop that just bought one house, because that could be, you know, some kind of anomaly, but the people that have bought, you know, three, four houses cash in a year, those are your cash buyers, guys. (laughs) They'll provide you with the addresses, not only of the properties that they purchased, but their mailing address and you can contact them and you can send them a direct mail letter or a piece or have their information skip traced and you can call them directly. So look, you just found out how to get cash buyers real quick. <laughs> yep. I love it. That's such a, I mean, there's so many good things here, but I think that the main message that everything we've talked about today is like, take action. That the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step and you don't have to have it all figured out. Yep. You don't have to know where this is taking you. You know, set that goal. Yep. Yeah. Just start. So, Becca, we are going to roll into our hot seat questions. I'm going to put you on a hot seat, and I'm going to ask you five or six questions, and I want you to answer them as quickly as possible, and then we'll wrap up the show. So, rolling into our hot seat questions. Becca Shea, starting over, what would you do different? Pick one area to focus on and become the ninja at it. All right, all right. What is your greatest commodity outside of capital? Time. Okay. What drives your ambition besides those three little girls? Yeah, relationships. Okay. And what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? Focus. Focus. So it's internal. And you know what? Everyone that I ask this question to is always something internal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, True. so it lets it lets you know guys that there's not some external force out there that's stopping you from doing what you're trying to do it's you and you alone so it's that's not a good point yep it's not because you don't have any money it's not because not the you market. Don't, yeah it's not the market it's not the deal flow or anything not like the competition that. <laughs> it's you <laughs> it's you it's you so take a hard look at yourself guys 
Um, what is the latest real estate book that you've read or business book? I know you recommended the 12 week year. What else do you have for us? Uh, oh man, so many good ones. But I just read Never Lose a Customer Again, which mainly has to do with like the mastermind, but this idea of like, you could apply it to your uh, sellers, to your buyers, like make the experience. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but you can make the experience so that they, they become your advocates. Okay. Okay. And what do you believe is one characteristic that sets apart successful investors from those who fail? Resiliency. Resiliency. All right. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So Becca, I want to thank you for being on the show. How can our listeners reach you? How can we reach out to seven figure flipping? How can we contact you? Slide into your DMs or <laughs> Yeah. I mean I'm on Facebook. Uh I just discovered TikTok, but B-E-K-A-S-H-E-A. Okay. <laughs> um Instagram or, or um, Becca at sevenfigureflipping.com. So okay. That's right. All right, guys. So you speak with an experienced investor, experienced marketer, experienced accountability coach, and Becca Shea. Becca, I want to thank you once again for speaking with the listeners and being here with us. Uh, before we leave, any last parting words? You can do this. Get after it. All right, guys, you heard it from Becca, from herself. Get after it, get out there, and get it done. Becca and Seven Figure Flipping, thank you again for being on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, and much success to you. And guys, remember to always enjoy the journey. Okay, guys, I had to take a deep breath on that one. Becca definitely pointed out some key things. I had to stop her quite a bit because you know, some of the information that we were going over, I didn't want to gloss over it because the accountability piece was, was strong. The marketing piece was great content. Um, the sharing and, and finding someone that you can, you can talk to and hold yourself accountable is very key and very uh, influential in making sure that you become a successful real estate investor, wholesaler, fix and flipper, passive income person. It doesn't matter. One of the key things that she said is you have to be resilient. You have to be consistent and persistent. So it's Marcus Maloney signing off here. Guys, I want to thank you. I love the We Love Equity real estate family. Let's continue to grow, continue to share, and look for all the information that Becca spoke about in the show notes below. All right, guys, remember to always enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, 
go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.